Forgive me if I rhyme, but it's our time. Time to get everybody up off the sideline. No more second guessing what's next. Authentic narratives on the Handle Media Project. Alright everyone, and welcome back to another edition of The Handle Media Project, the space online for the most authentic conversations on immigration reform, social justice, and everything in between. Uh, very happy to have Melissa Figueroa with me here today. Uh, she is from Long Island, from Hempstead, so she is that Hempstead Connect for the show. Yes, uh, myself, I am from Brentwood, so uh, very happy to, you know, we come from two places that are very immigrant rich, so I'm looking forward to having that discussion. So, first question. So actually, uh, you know, just wanted to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself. Sure. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the on this. Um, yeah. So I I am from Hempstead and Long Island. Originally, I was born in Queens, and my family moved out here in 1985, and uh, to Hempstead and Long Long Island, which was awesome and. Uh, my folks decided to put my brother and I in private school. So my whole, pretty much um, from, what was it? Yeah, pretty much my entire education uh, for uh, first to 12th grade was in a private school. And that was because my folks were not not uh, satisfied, you know, with the, edu- the quality of education from Hempstead, coming out of Hempstead public schools, um, which was really unfortunate. So they had to come up with work even harder to make you know to figure out how to realize their american dream and um their parents came from puerto rico and so um i'm very proud of my heritage but i'm born here in america um but very empathetic to this to the harsh realities that are happening every day now even more i think than ever before with our immigrant population so hempstead when i first moved here it was interesting to see as i was growing up the, the change in the demographics in the community um, once upon a time, it was a predominantly Caucasian community and then um, became a predominantly African-American community. We actually, I'm proud to say, have one of the only um, African-American museums in, uh, in Long Island, yeah, right here in Hempstead. And, and so then uh, in the more recent, over the past decade or, or two, um, and we've had an influx of, of Latino um, people coming in and which I think is, of course, awesome. And um, I'm so sad to see, you know, that at this time, you know, at this time in uh, in history, we're at this paradigm where it's, you know, it, it's a, just a critical time where we see almost like a, a repetition, history repeating itself. Mm. So um, I was fortunate that my folks were able to put my brother and I in a private school and we got a quality education. I went on to Adelphi University, which was also local. And, um, so, sorry, one second. Just want to, you know, there's just so much to unpack there that I'd love to talk about with you. Um, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, so, for myself, I was also born in Queens, um, and my parents decided to move out to Brentwood. Um, so, kind of like a similar story of moving out to Long Island. Uh, similarly, growing up, um, you know, it was uh, predominantly Caucasian, I would say Italian and Puerto Rican at the time. But then, like, you know, in the mid-1990s, um, early 2000s, there was an influx of Salvadoran immigrants uh, fleeing the El Salvador Civil War. Um, so everything I grew up around with, around me, with my friends, um, I'm Ecuadorian and Guatemalan, but I grew up um, with a lot of Salvadoran culture. So, you know, that's something that I, I felt that was, you know, I was fortunate to experience within the Brentwood school system is that, you know, most of these people were Salvadoran and, like, the people around me, um... So yeah, so so I just wanted to make that connection. Yeah. Um, 
but before before we get to uh, college and 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 uh, that aspect, I did want to ask you something. I read something interesting about you, and sure. so how does how does a Boricua second generation become a dive master, and how can I become one? Ah, I can teach you, my friends. I'm an instructor. Um, that's a great question. Um, so what I did was. Uh, Ever since I was a little girl, every time my family, um, every year pretty much, we would go to Puerto Rico to visit family. And I have to say that the, the minute my foot touched the ground, it was a very surreal experience for me, even from, you know, from when I, from as far back as I can remember as a little girl. And I just knew that I always wanted to um, seek, you know, to learn more about my ancestry and to, to really stay connected with my roots because um, Puerto Rico is very special to me. And uh, I think there's so much power in our ancestry and in our heritage. And um, and so I just figured I had to make a way when I finished school and um, I took a break from work uh, to figure out a way to spend some time back in Puerto Rico and live there for a while. So um, what I did was I worked here in New York at um, a local, there's a local dive shop. Um, it's called Scuba Network in Long Island. And it's really cool. So I, I got my dive master certification here in Long Island and um, and continued my, my studies for, for diving in Africa and Mozambique. And so that was um, a life-changing time for me in my life because I was able to not only go there to pursue my love of, you know, studying the ocean and, and learning how to dive, but also um, able to go there and work in some orphanages and teach English to um, to some of the orphans there, mm-hmm. which was really and uh, that was that was even more um, life changing for me because I got to see what life was really like in in other parts of the world um, where there was this incredible. Um, disparity. It was um, just the very opposite of everything we know as Americans. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was really in- it was really um, important to see see that that aspect of disparity um, where with some of the children that I was working with. So that time was so epic in my life because I also got to learn to be um, a bona fide dive instructor. And being being under the surface in the water is just um, is something so incredible you definitely have to experience it and i would love to you know show you what what it's like under there it's it's like another world yeah and 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 so like i think it's fascinating how like this like pride you have for you know your puerto rican ancestry and like the love for the water and like you know led you on such an epic journey all the way to africa and to be able to help other people like and and so just that initial passion to me is just fascinating and it sounds like you know um you know it's not something you come across commonly in terms of like you know uh i guess uh passion for diving and driving instruction so yeah so i think like you know i'd love for more people to um to be able to be aware that this is something that you know people can do and like pursue etc it definitely is um it's uh something that everyone should try if they have the opportunity in life um, it certainly comes with its level of um, challenges and fear, but that's um, th- that's the really special part for me as an instructor. Taking someone and um, in being in a very uncomfortable situation is not humanly natural uh, to be underwater, submerged for so long. But um, 
you know, it's interesting to see the dynamic when people are um, are afraid and and to to see people go and face their fear right. and um, see that fear turn into courage is just it's very special. And um, but those are that's the encounter that I enjoy under the surface. For me, I a lot of time relate my work under the water to like life uh, dealing with people and in the arena of politics that I'm in, right? right? Because there's a lot of sharks in, in, in this oh, yeah. <laughs> big, uh, in this place that, um, and so I, I think about the teachers and I'm like, wow, you know, I, I remember I worked a little bit in the schools mm-hmm. here in Hempstead and, you know, I know that that's the reason why these teachers do what they do and why they, you know, why the activists are, you know, going and standing in solidarity. I know that's why people are, you know, taking action now and, and continue to do what they've what they've always known is right. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's that like it's that feeling, that connection that we get with one another, no matter where we are, if we're here in Hampstead or across, you know, on the other side of the planet, we're all, you know, this human race. And for me. That just that's the that's the thrill that I get to know you know that that effect that we have on one another how we can teach one another and learn from one another um, and bringing it back to what you were saying about Brentwood and having you know the different people coming to to your community from different places in the world and in particular El Salvador here Hempstead also the same but it's that diversity that is right. is beautiful you know and we can learn so much from each other. Um, every day you know it's so special so for me i just try to i just want to you know connect with people like yourself and and others because i know you know at this time it's just so overwhelming when we think about you know the immigration issues that um latinos are facing it's 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 very troubling but but we have to have hope and and i have to cause myself to remember that it's the good work that you know people like you um and others do that is going to get us where we're going. Yeah, and so I love the metaphor that you're uh, you're giving. And um, so, uh, you your your story. So some of your story came to my attention last year when Noticia put out an article, um, kind of highlighting that I think I believe that you were running for the board of education. I believe. Um, so and the thing is, like I read that and I was like, wow, like you know, she's an accomplished Latina woman who's running for the Board of Education and, you know, that's happening, you know, more and more in our politics. And I definitely want to be able to connect for more people to be able to um, become interested in politics. So before before we get there, I would love to ask you, um, what was it like growing up in Hempstead or growing up on Long Island um, during your teenage years and uh, when you went to college? It's interesting because, um, you know, growing up in Long Island is, 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 is like the suburbs, you know, you have an idea of what Long Island is. And um, so I'm from Hempstead. What's unique about where I live in Hempstead, I'm actually on the border of, of Hempstead. I'm, I'm on the border of Hempstead, Garden City, yeah. and West Hempstead. So I'm at the very um, northwestern corner of, of the village. And um, what's unique about this area where I live in, it's called Cathedral Gardens. It's like this little pocket of Hempstead that's very... Um, not reflective of the larger part of Hempstead, which is um, a low-income community, um, predominantly black and brown community. But um, you know how lines have been changed over years and things, you know, borders move and and whatnot, but there's this real thing called segregation. And that really um, happens in Long Island more than, uh, it happens here as um, I think one of the top three places uh, in the nation where segregation is a very real um, uh, problem. And so, 
So I say that just to just to kind of preface this, that it was a really unique experience growing up in Hampstead. Because when I tell people, oh, I live in Hampstead, and then they came to visit me, they're like, oh, this isn't Hampstead. This looks like Garden City. Right. And that's that's really unfortunate because, um, you know, it's 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 literally you can go from one block to the next and and it's like you know you've crossed the tracks it's the same it's that metaphor of crossing over the tracks and that's so sad to me yeah. you know that 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 that's it just hasn't changed it's so true i mean i was i was driving there not too long ago from garden city and and um my girlfriend who's also a teacher she was sitting uh in the passenger seat like she um you know we were driving and we're like oh we're out of garden city this is now Hampstead. Like we know, like you know, there's the the apparent shift there. Yeah. And, and a lot of places on Long Island are like that. You see that apparent shift: Huntington, Huntington Station, you yeah. know, uh, Comac, Bayshore, Brentwood, etc. Like you know, you see those divisions so so clearly. Yeah. So um, that was you know that was one um, one one element of my experience in growing up in Hempstead. But then the the interesting the flip side was that you know being being from being Boricua and my family from Puerto Rico coming here to New York and when they first were coming in in like the 70s 60s and 70s um they were like arriving in New York and maybe being in New Jersey but when they came to New York they were pretty much gonna be settling in either Queens or Brooklyn and so much of my family um lived in like the East New York region so and my family um being us Latinos very very close huge family yes well, we were always, you know, going to visit my tia in Brooklyn um, or my tios and just everyone every weekend after church. This was like our routine. So so it's like during the week, Monday through Friday, you're in school. And then in the evenings, my folks um, had us, my brother and I in church and like on the regular. We, were, we grew up in the church. Um, but on the weekends was like a totally different experience for us because now we had like this taste of freedom. We were in Brooklyn, hanging out with our cousins growing up. And so that gave us um, a, a, a very different, you know, um, experience than the stereotypical Long Island, you know, growing up in Long Island um, and what folks would expect. So um, so it for me, I feel so, so, um, so blessed that I had uh, had the fortune to be um to be born here and to um, have the opportunity to grow up in New York, the greatest, the greatest place in the world, I feel, um, second to Puerto Rico, and um, but, but it, you know, and having New York City like right down, right, right, not far. Sorry, shout out New York, just one. So, wepa. So being a Eurekan, it was just a really, um, really awesome experience growing up with having family around and having the the experience to be in Long Island, but also have that, you know, city, um, city experience and having, you know, always frequent, frequenting Manhattan and, and having that, you know, that location, it's like, uh, it's really the, a great spot to be in because everything is essential to everything. The beaches are there. So um, I feel that I had a very fortunate, um, I was very fortunate. You know, my upcoming was, was not the story of so many other people. So, and I recognize that. Um, and I, I don't want to take it for granted. So I always want to, you know, be thankful for those things that I had nothing to do with mm-hmm. because really I didn't, you know, I, I was, I didn't plan any of, um, 
those things, you know, you're born into whatever family you're born into, you're born in whatever country you're born in, um, and you don't control certain things, we think. Was there was there a reason why, uh, or what was the particular reason why your parents decided to uh, migrate to New York? So my folks are from Brooklyn, uh-huh. and my, my grandparents, all four uh-huh. of them, are from Puerto Rico, so I'm second generation American. But um, so, and I was... They lived in. Uh, they moved. My, when my folks got married, they bought a home uh, place in Queens, and uh, and then they moved to to Hempstead in 1985. They had the, you know this American dream to buy a house, and and they did it. And my father was an incredible. I always remember my father. And my mother worked their whole. They actually retired just a few years ago. God bless them, and celebrated their 41st wedding anniversary. That's which, well, what is that? I don't even know what that is. Um, amazing. So they were hardworking, you know, people. Um, they didn't, you know, my folks, my father grew up in the projects. Um, his folks were orphans. So the the thinking about the the um, the the evolution of you know the generations in my ancestry is, um, you know, I don't. I always want to just be thankful and remember, you know, where I came from and and f- even further where my uh, ancestors came from because. I, I just think sometimes, and this is about this. I'm trying to make a point about what's going on today in yeah. in the world, with all these actions and movements that are going on, and with with women and with immigration and with um, you know, with our government, um, is that <clears throat> it's no no. But uh, well, I lost my train of thought now. Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> So no, just 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 that I think it's so important that we don't forget, you know, that we really every decision that we make really does matter. That we really, um, no matter where we are, we really are connected, and no matter um, if we're in the present or or or, or absent, you know, the the person, the people still matter. Um, and so we, I just find that we just sometimes our our society, at least um, here in my experience lately in Hampstead. Um, you know, there's this disconnect and this, you know, desensitization to, you know, how important we are to one another. Right. Like, you know, I mean, what's going on in Standing Rock is blowing my mind that it's 2017. And this is, I remember when I was a little kid, you probably remember being taught about, you know, the pilgrims and this and the Civil War and, and the story of America, you know, the story that we were taught. And it's like, look what's going on. I mean, if we were really taught something knowledgeable through our curriculum of the text that we were, at least that I that I had, have we really learned anything? You know, what's going on? It's, yeah. It just my mind. I don't want to forget. No, and then you know, one of the important things is that you know, I think um, the text that we inherit, you know, when we're younger, doesn't talk about like the mass genocide of um, a lot of the uh, the indigenous people that were, you know either on the islands or like in Latin America, we, we learn about the pilgrims and the Indians, um, quote unquote, Native Americans. Um, but it leaves out a huge chunk of histor- history, you know, but the thing is when you bring up Standing Rock, like we're seeing history play out, we're seeing injustices play out and we have the technology to see it and we have the technology to take action or we have the capability to take action. Um, so actually something that you said about, uh, you, you mentioned decisions. Um, so I read that you went to Adelphi University for your undergrad and graduate school. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so like, you know, as a Latina growing up at that time, you know, I, you know, 
today, you know, there are more and more Latinos, you know, going to college. Um, but at that time, how big of that of an accomplishment was that, you know, being a Latina at that, at that time? Yeah, I, I, I thought about, you know, the fact that I was one of the only, you know, first Latinas in my family to get a degree. Um, and, you know, I, um, I attribute and I thank my folks for instilling in me from, from jump that, you know, going to college was not going to be an option for me. That they, I saw them working so hard, you know, and they were doing that so, because they had to, you know, come up with the funds to pay for tuition to send my brother and I to get a, 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 a an education at a private school because they couldn't, you know, they, they didn't want us to, um, they wanted to give us the best they could possibly give us. Um, and, you know, they didn't have to do that, but they, but they um, figured out a way to, um, that was their determination, was always that, you know, and my brother and I would understand that getting an education had to be a number one priority so that we could, you know, um, you know, realize our dreams in life and, and go on to be productive members of society and do good things and give back. So, but education was number one. And that, that was because my, my folks, you know, taught me that and, and the teachers that I had along the way, you know, it, it, you know, taught me, you know, they, ex they expected, you know, um, me to perform and, you know, demanded the best out of me. And so that, that came from, you know, the whole, the whole experience as you grow up, you know, your whole adolescence, every person that we encounter, every, you know, guide that, you know, comes into our life, teacher or ministers, whatever, neighbors, friends, you know, we, we, the words that we say to one another, you know, we sometimes don't realize how, how, how much of an effect and how changing those words can be. And so um, that's the power that teachers have, you know, that's the power that leadership has, you know. Um, and so, you know, that 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 is something that that I really um, I really appreciate. And education had to be number one. So I I didn't I, I thought about going away from home, um, but their motto was um, stay close, go far at the time. That was the Adelphi motto. I like that. <laughs> Cool. Um, and so um, I'm a hometown girl, and uh, and I was able to stay close by my family, and and still have that college time in my life. And uh, I hope somehow in in the future, young people will have an op a real opportunity to know that they can go to the university, and um, and somehow that our 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 leadership in this government, in this country, and and local governments can figure out a way to formulate a plan that would afford, afford like practically afford, you know, people to to have an educa a quality education, right. because every person deserves that. It's constitutional. So you know that the things that are going on now are deplorable. It just blows my mind. Being on the school board now, I'm seeing. A lot of things that take place um, on the uh, well in governmental levels that is just like wow, wow. It really does matter how it really does matter so much who people are and um, like if they have integrity or you know if they're kind or because truly these are just people that are elected to you know um, make important decisions that are literally going to impact people's lives immediately. You know. And, yeah, and, and so so I definitely want to get to that. Um, and and I, for number one, like I love your passion. I love how passionate you are about uh, these issues. Um, how how did uh did you you know the degree that you received? Um, 
you know, in undergrad and graduate school, did it prepare you for this uh, type of career? Yes. Yeah, so and, and so, sorry, one thing. Um, the thing is also, you know, um, you know, I know that there are a, a lot of young Latina women, you know, who are watching this show and like who come to the show to like hear, you know, words of like, you know, um, of other people who have gone far. So I'd love for you to like speak to them about like your personal career and how like that has like launched your political career. Okay, so I had no plan. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a very organized person. I'm, I'm, you know, my personality, but 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 I'm also very, you know, free spirited. And I'm very um, so I'm left and right minded. Sometimes I, I kind of I'm a Pisces. And I'm, I'm oh, man, Pisces. you're a Pisces. <laughs> but I'm also an Aries. Oh, OK. So you're uh, Pisces too. No, I'm a Leo. I'm the complete. <laughs> yeah. Like my father. So, yeah. And and so but it's crazy because if you know anything about like, well, I, I, I enjoy just studying things about astrology sometimes. And it's like, really, you know, these ideas about the Zodiac, it's really bizarre because um, I am on the cusp. So I'm kind of both personalities. And so we're not, we're not I'm not going to digress and have that whole conversation. But um, I didn't really have a particular plan when I went to university. I just knew that I, I wanted to study and I wanted to study something that I would enjoy. Um, I initially thought I wanted to study psychology because I really enjoy um, thinking about, you know, uh, how we think and, you know, the, our thoughts and um, how our thoughts become reality and whatnot. So I started as a, a psychology major and quickly changed my major to communications. I quickly changed my major because being a psych major required so much uh, time in my text and I just couldn't keep up. Yeah the the load uh in in that regard and i my second choice was to do communications because i enjoy the arts i enjoy um studying um you know visual studies and and the media and how that works and so um so i did that it was awesome i had so much fun learning how to make films and studying film and then learning about public relations and that for me was like very fun and easier for me to learn i think because i got more excited about it and I felt like it was more practical for me, more tangible, like something that I would think about anyway. So I just wanted to know more. So then um, that was an awesome time in the university because I did some internships um, at um, HBO Latino. Um, and, you know, crazy story real quick. I, I ended up doing a terrible thing as an intern, actually um, sent a minute of black air to HBO Latino and the very next, it was accidental, I was doing data entry. Uh, the next day, all the executives came in and did this big meeting and my boss, poor thing, was gonna lose her job and she had to explain, you know, we're only as good as our paperwork, it was the intern. And I, I didn't lose my job, but it was, an, it was a, whoa, I was like, wow, I made an error and how it affected um, this huge corporation um, because over a minute of airtime, you can imagine how yeah. much dollars. So it was just it was it was an incredible experience uh, that that time in my internship at university. But I did some other work at the university, and being going to school at the university again is is really very different from you know elementary and high school schooling. It, it's just a, another caliber of intellects around you through the via the professors and whatnot. So um, being around that um, knowledge is just like a treasure trove. It's like being being in a treasure box. Um, so then I then I st- I completed my um, got to Adelphi 1998, um, and then I complete I graduated 
with my undergrad in communications in 2002. I took some um, time to work in Manhattan. With uh, my first job was as an executive advertising manager for a trade magazine in the toy industry. Oh, wow. So fun. So I got to go to, um, you know, learn learn the industry and how that all works, but also like be around games and toys all day. It was my, yeah. it was a lot of fun. Um, but you know, there's a time and a season for everything. So um, I, I then um, ended up going, uh, going back to, uh, well, I ended up getting laid off. I ended up uh, through that layoff, going to work at uh, Goldman Sachs. From that layoff, I, went, I eventually ended up at Goldman Sachs. I was working as an executive assistant, um, and I knew someone who was working at Goldman, and they took my resume. I'd gotten laid off, and they said, give me your resume. So I didn't think. Um, I had always done administrative work my whole adolescence, always working as an assistant to, you know, in um, brokerage, real estate firms, things like that. My father um, had a travel agency. I remember I was mentioning he was an entrepreneur. So I always did his administrative stuff. Long story short, um, end up at Goldman in their financial institutions group, and I found myself again around um, some really exceptional uh, individuals who had who had accomplished uh, incredible things in their in um, in finance, and uh, it was around in the company of financial giants. Yeah. So what was what was really interesting about this is that all the time when I was growing up as a teenager, I was this this activist and I would participate in actions, go to Manhattan and do those kinds of things to fight for social, you know, issues. And, and and I really was like this conspiracy theorist on my free time, I would go online and just try to investigate these crazy bizarre things that you would hear about banksters and whatnot. So, you know, it was, it was weird because in my mind I had this feeling like I'm around all these, all these people who, you know, I don't really appreciate, you know, what I really know, the way that what I what, the way I felt like, you know, the banks manipulate our economies, because these were ideas that I had in my mind that I had never really expressed before. Um, I never had a platform to express. Um, but I had always, you know, felt felt um, uh, concerned about. But then I had um, I had bills to pay right. and I needed a job. And I had this opportunity to take this incredibly high compensating job to do work that was not rocket science. Right. At a time when our country was going into economic, you know, yeah. disaster. So um, I was there for a few years, um, and uh, I, I kind of skipped a few parts of the of the chronology of my story, but I'm gonna bounce around. Um, I had before I arrived there, I had worked in the Hampstead Public Schools. So after working as the in Manhattan, I ended up going to graduate school, studying education, teaching English to speakers of other language, cool. and I had to do some work. And I chose to do work in my community. And so I worked in Hempstead. I worked in the night, in the evening, teaching adults at night school, um, and working with other other educators, learning how to become a, a a great educator, a good you know a professional educator. So um, so when so then when I uh. I got laid off through the Hempstead Public Schools. Ended up working at Goldman um, as an administrator. I wonder Except, if, if um, do you know what what years these were that you were working at Goldman? I wish I had my resume in front of me. You're off to you. Um, yeah, so I graduated in 2002 from Adelphi with the bachelor's. Then I um, stopped working in the city at around 2005. I started working um, in the schools. Uh, at that time, I 
went back for my graduate um, degree, which I, I have to tell you, there came a point in my studies, mm-hmm. my final courses, where it required student teaching during normal school hours. Yeah. This time I was already working um, at, at another place, and I, I could not, I could not be be off right. uh, during the day. I had to work, so um, I put the studies on the back burner and never picked it up. Uh-huh. So I'm two courses shy, and everyone tells me, "Listen, you have to finish. You have to finish." And I would tell myself if I was out of body, but I I just can't do that right now. Oh, but okay. and um, there's a season for everything, so perhaps one day, you know, I will. And I really should. I know that. Um, but nonetheless, I got my certifications and I was able to go and. Um, it was after um, getting laid off at Goldman when when the uh, economy was collapsing and the mortgage crisis happened, I got laid off. And at that time, I decided to go to pursue um, study in Africa. And uh-huh. my, my passion for um, for ocean, you know, for ocean activism and studying the ocean and whatnot. So that's how I ended up in, at the time after I left Goldman. Um, I really but, sorry. I, just wanted to make a quick connection. Um, so this might have happened after you left Goldman, but um, you know, are, are you familiar with Julissa Arce's story of how she um, she was undocumented and ended up working at Goldman Sachs? Yes, I yeah. missed her. She was on your show. She she just did something the other day, and I missed it. Yeah, she did it. At, she was speaking at Nassau Community College. She's a friend yeah. of mine, but you know, but uh, yeah, like I. Um, just wanted to make that connection that you might have like maybe working at the same time or after, but you both worked at the same company. Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty cool. No, it's just a small world, and that's what I'm saying. It's like we really are, you know, closer than than we than we recognize sometimes. But that's really cool, and um, I look forward to one day meeting her because she's another tremendous Latina who's you know, and and it's it 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 becomes it's really a calling for all of us to you know do. To the extent that we're able to, the best we can to, you know, um, advance not only our own lives but also, you know, our the people around us and make sure that, you know, that we 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 represent one another and we're, you know, doing good things and we we want to make progress uh, for all people and so we do that as we communicate with one another. She's an inspiration to so many people and even when I just saw her the flyer. Uh, it, it was just it just it was heartwarming to know you know that that there are more and more as time's going on I see more and more young people and and especially Latinas who are doing their thing and I'm so proud. Cool. To- well, I, I look forward to you know introducing you to her in the comments and like you guys could hopefully pick up a conversation at some point. Um, yeah, so um, we have about. 15 minutes left um and i definitely would love you know to get some insight into your experiences in africa um if you want to speak to that uh for a couple of minutes i mean i could talk for for hours about africa i could go on and on for days it was something that i wish everyone could have that opportunity to get there um and see you know um have an opportunity to live like other people live for a period of time Mm -hmm. um because because we, we get comfortable. It's human nature, you know. We are we get proud of where we're from and everything like that. But you know, to to pull ourselves out of our normal environment and to do that in an extreme way uh, is worthwhile. And um, you know, I, I grew up in a community with predominantly African Americans all around me, um, uh, and that was um, one perspective. 
But then being with, you know, native Africans is a completely other perspective. Um, both beautiful, you know, and both very ugly in ways like any other, you know, um, place in the world is it's always going to be this juxtaposition. So for me, um, coming up in New York and having the ability to have access to anything in, you know, you can imagine in New York, you know, this is the epicenter of, I think, the world, you know, we have the Mecca of the world here, a anything in Manhattan right next door. Anything you can imagine, there's going to be somebody around who's going to be able to help you, you know, um, find something here, uh, see something, experience something here. But when you're, oh, you know, far removed and you're with other people that you, um, you know, strangers and, and then they become your neighbors and you see how they live. And it's really it was um, a tremendous uh, time and opportunity. So um, working there in the ocean was surreal. But being on the surface, on the land, at the orphanage, um, and with the children was something that I wouldn't be able to find the words to really articulate. Right. Because the lives, you know, being having the encounter with, with those lives and knowing the fate of the, the harsh reality of what those kids are uh, experiencing every day it gets me. It gets me emotional. Right. And I, and I, I hate to um I hate to do that, but it's okay. People tell me it's okay. It's but all good. <laughs> it me, when I when I speak about it and I think about um my memories of looking into some children's eyes, some kids in in particular, uh, it's heartbreaking, you know, to know that there are so many people who are forgotten. Yeah. And uh, so so that for me was the most you know, the, the peak of that, uh, that, that trip and that journey that I had in my life was to have that, to have that very real raw encounter with the, the reality. And so this isn't that, you know, see, seeing those lives and I'm, I'm, you, you know, uh, I just want, I'm the type of person who likes to care for people. I always want to, I, I love taking care of kids and, and babies and children and um, I'm, I'm I have a like soft heart for for kids and, and and animals I um I do but but then I think you know not just there in that in that small part of Africa in that little small corner of Mozambique where I was where I was this this and far worse is taking place yeah. right now in other parts of the world you know at least those kids have a roof over their head. Granted, you know, the lights are not on and they don't have food to eat, but they have a structure to be in. There are children now, you know, in Aleppo, right. you, you know what's happening. And it just blows my mind that, you know, here I am and, and born into this, um, born in New York, in America, and seeing what's going on in you know, in uh, Standing Rock, it just is blowing my mind. And so because of that, because of those those things that, uh, you know, move me so much emotionally, seeing what's happening here in my own community in Hampstead with our children, uh, it's just it's just wild being compounded with the immigration issues that now our children are facing. We just saw the other day there was um, ice when it, outside of a school uh, and a district outside of Hampstead school. Not Hempstead, no. Um, it was a story that it, okay. I think it was in Florida, and the daughters filmed uh, ice apprehending their father. The, ch the the girl was sobbing. It's very traumatic for our young people. 
So, so this, this action that uh, 45 is taking uh, um, with regard to immigration and, and the, uh, is, it's, it's again, history repeating itself because we've seen uh, the, st- in the stories over history of tyrants and people who, you know, who uh, dictate in this manner. But that's really what's happening. And it's, sur- it's almost surreal. It's like, wow, how is this happening in the 21st century? But it is. So it compels me and should compel all of us, you know, to just do our part to the extent we're able to locally, you know, to try to, you know, fix this because we will move the, we will move these mountains. We, we can. We just have to know it, that we're, we're capable. So, Melissa, I, I definitely want to, you know, I think this is probably the most important question that I'm coming to this interview with. Um, and so I'm 28 and I've been working and I started my career in social justice, I think, when I was 24. Um, and, you know, this is immigration is something that has always been a passion of mine. But in terms of like when I when I read about, you know, local elections and local school boards and like the infighting that gets nasty sometimes and like. You know, I think, you know, I was, um, before becoming a social justice activist, like, I worked on the school board campaign, um, but even in Brentwood, that's turned ugly in many ways, that people just say, like, hey, you know, like, just don't get involved, like, don't, don't bother, you know, what, what is it? You know, what would you say to young people like myself? Because I will tell you the truth. I have no desire at all to get involved in local politics and school board politics, like, and I know many people of my age um, of our ages, like, are, say the same thing, like, you know, that's just unpleasant, that's ugly, that's not what we imagine, you know, being in politics is like. Why would we get involved? What would you say okay. to us? That's a good question, and um, I want to tell you that, you know, it's not about, it's not, you know, at some point, we're going to get to, we're going to get to this place in our realization, whether we like it or not, that it's not about me, you know, it's not. It's about it's not about me. It's about us, you know? So like, as much as I want to compartmentalize myself and think that I'm in my head and, you know, the decisions I make are about me, it's not, it's, it really is that everything we do and the way that we think and, and speak to one another, it really uh, emanates throughout society. So it's like a ripple effect. You know, we've seen that, heard that metaphor before, but truly, you know, we can't, you know the thing with our generation. Well, I'm 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 going to be 37 next week, uh, but but you know. Happy early birthday. <laughs> young professional. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. So as young people, you know, especially as young minority people. Pardon me. No problem. It, you know, we're gonna have to realize at some point that nobody's gonna fix this for us. Mm-hmm. If they haven't already, it's not gonna happen. So it compels me, I understand, that I have to take ownership and responsibility. So, of course, I'm not going to save the world. I don't think that I'm some, you know, you know, we can't, we, it's a fine line, but we have to also remember that we are, you know, um, we, we are, we, we are, you know, amazing beings as, as humans. We have this tremendous capacity to, you know, realize unlimited potential whatever we believe it's really true so if you resolve you know that oh i'm gonna you know work towards some end in time with collaboration and connecting and networking you know and advocating and action and passion and all those things uh, with with the people 
over time, that, call, that, that there's a culmination that happens. So, you know, history repeats itself. There, you know, there's a cycle of life. So I just have to know that, you know, I could easily choose to not, you know, do this work. I, I, I know that. But but that would be a selfish decision of me because um, I'm capable of doing it. Um, and um, there are people in, in the community who, who, who have, who, who have come to the table, all of us together, and said, we have a problem here, okay? We can all just go our separate ways about our busy lives. And, you know, we could do that. We could keep doing that. Or we can come together and, you know, and take responsibility for our, the fate of our future, which, you know, always brings us back to the, the, the youth. So, we, you know, so for us young people, it's like, of course, there, there are those who've come before us who have, who have done tremendous strides for 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 movements and for our efforts and we we don't forget them and there are those who have just turned a blind eye and we don't forget them either we those are people who have come before us who have tried to hinder us we don't forget them either we remember but we have to remind ourselves that at the end of the day you know we have we if we want something different we have to take action to do it and so um it's best when we when we collaborate and put our actions together, we join forces that, you know, gives us strength in numbers and, and power to our movements or whatever those might be. You know, for me these days, it's education and ensuring, you know, quality public education and, and you know, calling on our governor, calling on our Senate, calling on our assembly um, to, you know, understand that if we want to fix this nation, we're going to start in New York. We're going to start locally. We got to look at our youth and fix, give them a quality education. That means we have to fully fund them. That means if the state owes $71 million to Hempstead or owes billions of dollars to other districts in the state of New York, they need to fully fund them. And those people who are regular people, our leadership, our governor, our, our you know, assemblyman, these people, God bless them. But they're regular people just like you and me, just like our or anyone who just wants to stay on the couch. Right. We're just people. So, um, you know, and shouts to Brentwood and Assemblyman Phil, Phil Ramos, who Ramos. tremendous champion for public education in Brentwood and um, and the larger parts of, you know, in New York. He, yeah, what an advocate and um, a, another fellow Latino who, um, do, you know, does us proud in, in terms of, you know, making sure that people understand that Latinos, we're here and we are doing great things. We always have been. Um, and like any other race, any other ethnicity, you know, you're going to have um, all sides of all, you know, both sides of the coin. So Melissa, very, very inspiring. Uh, love what you're saying. Love the energy. And at this point, you know, I'd love to find out what you're up to now. And for people, you know, on Long Island or the greater New York region who want to partake in your energy, in your work, what are you up to now and how can people become involved with you? Okay, so I also sit on the public library board. Um, so I'm actually gonna today meet with the director of the library um, uh, to discuss a couple of things. This evening, sure. the village of Hampstead is hosting in collaboration with the Hampstead Hispanic Civic Association and other organizations and grassroots in the region, a, um, a forum to discuss immigration issues and to discuss how to deal with the current circumstances um, and conditions, um, the, the realities with ICE, um, and how we're, we're going to, uh, this forum will 
also provide so information and also there'll be um i believe some vendors there of uh, one organization that's going to be also offering free identification for children so if anyone wants to come today at 6 30 in hempstead um is on hilton well, i'm sure i'm sure unfortunately this interview is going up in a couple of days so well anyway yeah. okay so so there you go but but these are the things that yeah. are happening and i'm sure that you know there's this is happening like um now throughout long island and just throughout the nation now with what with the actions this the pre the new you know president 45 has taken so these um, forums and Hofstra has opened up a clinic, I know. So there, these things are happening, like what's going to happen tonight, I'm sure will be repeated um, in different places. But so important for people to get involved, you know, um, because if you're not happy with, you know, your streets, and you're not happy with your the way that things are happening, get involved. Come to the table, you know, and and don't worry. Don't worry about the, the challenges that are going to come along the way because that's guaranteed. You're not going to get around it. You know, it comes with the territory, um, but it's worth it because it's a worthy cause to, you know, make life better wherever you are, you know, improve, improve something. And, and we all have that ability to do it. It's just a decision whether we're going to or not. Yeah. And so did you, uh, did I... but, but really is, I, I'm sorry, I, didn't, I don't mean to make light of it, but, but it really is that simple. It is a decision and we, we all have different uh circumstances in our lives so we can't all uh do the same thing someone else might be able to do but but every every little bit counts so even just these conversations with with people mm -hmm. is is we're imparting knowledge to one another so i just want to say before we conclude and uh, we i know you're going to wrap up i want to encourage everyone to you know really get involved um yeah well what i was going to ask you was um did you launch a campaign uh last week yes that's what i wanted so, to ask yeah so my first term on the school board is is expiring in May, so I'll have to run again. Um, and and so that so that's a term that's an undertaking too. So now I'm going to shift gears and have to I'm starting to plan for for this campaign. The election is May 16th in Hempstead, um, but I think that's the election day across Long Island for all school boards. And uh, you know, and 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 just in that way, you know, by voting, right? If at the very least, you cast a vote if you're registered to vote. And if you're not, do, you know, take action. Even just the very action of going get to get registered to vote. If you can't vote this year, you'll be able to vote in the future. If you're not registered or, or you want to become a documented citizen and, and, and that's your, you aspire to do that, take action to go and, you know, take the steps towards becoming documented if that's your, what you aspire to do. You know, do do the, whatever it is, little by little, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but but we really have to be sure to do something. And at the very least, our vote matters so much. Some people blow it off like, oh, I'm not going to vote. Nothing changes. But well, we um, saw what just happened in November. So. There you go. Enough said. Yeah. You know? So um, if anybody wants to become involved in, again, your work, you know, or just, you know, uh, Again, just because what I would love to do is, you know, if there's other people across Long Island who want to be directly connected with your work, Melissa, and your energy and what you're building, what is the best way for them to reach you? So the best way to get involved in this movement, um, right now I have a website. It's uh, friendsofmelissafigueroa.com. That's friends of M-E-L-I-S-S-A-F-I-G-U-E-R-O-A. -S -S um, so 
www.thepowerofthenow.com. And there that you could click on the tab on um, take action now, get involved and you can help me with my campaign. But um, you can also donate to my campaign or just see the news and follow the story because um, I have a news tab as well. So you can see the whole chronology of the story of um, I try to keep it up to date. But uh, the educational story, particularly of Hempstead and issues that of immigration in particularly that are affecting Hempstead residents, Hempstead um, people. Um, and also, um, so those are the two main uh, items that you'll find on the newsfeed. Okay. Um, but again, friends of Figueroa, uh, com is the best way. But also, you know, it's not just my my website because the movement is not. Um, although I have to run a campaign, um, and I do want people to vote for me, I'm going to have to do that. Um, this movement is is much larger grassroots. Um, I'm a member of TCC, which is the Corridor Counts. Mm-hmm. That's um, an organization that. Um, meets at the law offices of Fred Brewington, who's an amazing civil rights um, champion. Yes, I feel. I, I think I've known of him, yes. Yeah, so, and what he's been able to do with Sergio Argueta um, and, and people from Strong, um, shouts to Strong and Mia, but in so many other uh, organizations like Hempstead Hispanic Civic and others um, that come to the table is an open door for people to come on Monday evenings. Um, to collaborate and and this has been going on for years so we're getting we're gaining momentum now so this didn't just start you know we're gaining momentum and want to build continue building it so if folks um want to check out tcc um the corridor counts that's another organization at new york communities for change yes nycc doing huge big things um in the city and also in long island um our main heart here in long island is not only for um to improve housing um and housing rights in Long Island and issues addressing issues of segregation, but education, because again, like I said before, you know, it starts with our youth. So if we can uh, impart the knowledge to them so they understand their potential and they, they we teach to the whole child. And if we can get to a place where, you know, students have actually equality, access to a quality education, then we're really gonna change the world. That's you know, great. some people that are gonna do it. So everyone will do their part. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for all, you know, this hour of great conversation. Thank I really you. enjoyed speaking with you. And I hope I hope after this conversation, I am considered to be a friend of Melissa Figueroa. You, my, <laughs> I'm honored to be your friend. I'm thankful, you know, for, for this opportunity to speak with you. Um, I got to see your show a few times, but but I never really got to um, to have a, converse, a good conversation with you. So thank you for this and sure. thank you for, you know, for, for the work that you do. Thank you know, you. I studied communications and some of that was journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys do tremendous work, especially now that 45 is, is you know, trying to, trying to hinder the news. It's like, especially now more than ever, I think those local journalists like yourself and um, El Café Con Jose, you guys are rocking it in, in telling stories. So thank you. Hey. Thank you. I appreciate that. Had to throw, throw a Jay-Z sign for that. Uh, <laughs> Melissa, again, thank you so much. And, you know, I wish you all the best in the coming months. And uh, I really hope, you know, this summer we can maybe go dive diving because I'd love to learn at some point. Let's do it. All Done. right. Awesome.